All right, so, you know, I've always liked what Trump has done in his first term, and I'm really quite impressed. I mean, we should all be very impressed. Um, you know, you talk about moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. You talk about how he's put China uh, on its back, and as well as Iran and the sanctions and pulling out of the stupid Paris uh, climate uh, treaty. And to say nothing, the economy and the unemployment rate being so low and how he effectively dealt with the COVID crisis. Um, and now the economy is zooming back up, of course, and the tax reform. I mean, we, we can go on for with law thing, but the thing that really clinched it for me and should clinch it for you as an undecided voter is his recent mandate to end, end, the regulations on water flow control from your shower hood. Okay? That is the key. That happened? That happened. Really? You are now going to have showers. So I don't look like this anymore? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly right. <laughs> Put the cap back on. Sideshow Bob. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> You're going to have showers with as much water pressure as you damn well please. Woohoo! Is this a great freaking president or what? I'm proud to be an American because <laughs> at least I know I'm free. <laughs> it's awesome. It's really awesome. That, he really did this? Yeah. He's, he's pushing for the for, for oh, defeating that, and I think, okay. which means he'll do it. Next up, we might get a good light bulb. Yeah. Also, by the way, there was a recent peace treaty between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Oh, I don't said, care about yeah, that. Yeah, that's Tell fine. me about the light bulbs. Yeah, the light bulbs are cool. So now, <laughs> going back, floss? No, yeah, if he can get back to, to Wax getting, floss. Wait, getting, getting rid of uh, the, whatever, the neon lights instead of, and going back to yeah. regular lights, uh, magnifique. Anyway, okay, so we are looking at a, a really crazy time. I'm writing my my book, Atheism Destroys. And the last chapter is about the COVID response and the riots that have ensued since and the kind of the mentality that's going on. And I discuss, you know, all that we already know because, you know, one day, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, well, people want to know what it was like really on the ground, right? And there'll be many stories. This is truly a historical year in a, in a bad way. But... You know, you talk about the defunding of the police and how Nancy Pelosi called uh, federal agents uh, stormtroopers and how Black Lives Matter came in and said that looting is a great thing. It's a form of reparations um, and that there's no such thing as looting, in fact. Um, and how the McCloskeys and certain police officers were prosecuted right. while the rioters and arsonists and murderers go free. For yeah. sure, for sure. And, and, and uh, the... the the Portland mayor uh, apologizing to demonstrators because of, they used uh, tear gas when, you know, they, we were so sorry. You know, as if, as if the police are a luxury, an indulgence uh, <laughs> that, that we don't need them in civil society. In fact, they, they demean civil society. Yeah, and We're, we're not, much better off without them. Right, and if not for these police, the riders would have shown up. Yeah, right. right, yeah. yeah. So said the Nazis, right? Yeah. I mean, the reason why we have to exist is because of those, those <laughs> Jews. Those Jews. You know, <laughs> you know, if you didn't have those Jews, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be necessary. Right. So anyway, that's, it, it's such, uh, what is it, uh, claptrap. Um, so, the, and the COVID response, right? Everything about the COVID response is such madness. The madness involved in that involves how they want to shut the schools down, shut 
all businesses down and restaurants and everything else that you can imagine with an idea of mine of creating such economic ruin so that they can eventually get to uh, some sort of better position in the coming November election. Okay. But really what's, what's operating between, I see something in common. They, they, they happen, of course, to happen concurrently, these, these stories, right? The COVID response and the riots. Black Lives Matter and, you know, all the uh, genuflecting and the sadness and the mayor of Minneapolis crying over the casket of George Floyd. Okay, what is really an operation here? I put it to you, Ari, one common thing is fear. Fear. Everything that we are seeing is about fear, especially the, the response to the, to the riots. We believe Black Lives Matter. I mean, going, going from the micro to the macro, Right, your neighbors, my neighbors certainly, they have signs saying Black Lives Matter, as if somehow by putting a sign there that these very discerning rioters will decide, well, you know, this, guy, this gentleman has a Black Lives Matter. Yeah, like the lamb's one blood on the lintels, the angel yeah. of death will pass. Right, I was going to say that, but you stole my thunder there. But the point is that, yeah, that's exactly what they think. They think that the, these rioters will be so discerning. And, of course, they won't be. But nevertheless, that's the fear that's happening there, right? Likewise, with the macro side of that, where uh, Pelosi and every, every other leader is, is genuflecting to Black Lives Matter. Same thing with the, all the corporations, that they're getting ahead of any possible boycott by getting rid of the faces, the famous faces on their products, such as the Lano Lakes uh, Indian lady. Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> right, also known as Elizabeth Warren. Um, <laughs> The uh, Uncle Mime, uh, and, uh, and yeah. Uncle Ben and, and many and others, we, right? Yeah, and of course Washington Redskins recently changed. They just have to get ahead of this, right? Because by golly, they, they want to apologize as, as quickly and profusely as they can, um, and and they could not trip over themselves more to genuflect in front of Black Lives Matter, right? No, no, I, I can look how how much further I can bend my knee. Yeah, look how much money we'll give you, right? You know. It's, they it's, give you a billion, we'll give you five. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the whole message seems to be, please don't hurt us, okay? Whether economically or physically or otherwise. It, the, the thin blue line has now been erased, okay? And suddenly people are discovering, wait a minute, the police can't control us. Um, we can do whatever we damn well please. And to make things easier, they've decided to uh, do away with any cash bail requirements to retain anybody in prison. They, they just ba are basically released. For their people. I'm sure if you or I... Yes, that's true. We, right. would, we would suddenly be required to post a million dollars or whatever or, it was. Or since they got rid of cash bail, there's no bail for us to post. We just have to right. wait, wait for a court date. And, you know, things have been backed up in the courts because of all this chaos, don't you right. see? But they do prosecute the people that they know will, will not fight back or will, you know, will, will abide by the law. So, for example... Uh, those people who dare to sing, sing, I say, in congregations, in churches, right? They're going to get slapped down. Yeah, and then the uh, hairstylist, the guy at the Tillis gym in New Jersey. Right. Yeah, the list goes on and on. They're going to make an example of what's what. A operator who only sold potato chips and didn't make chicken wings. God knows what. God you know? knows what. Exactly right. So these are the people to, who are real threats to society, right? But and, and never mind that nothing makes sense, right? I mean, you, you can... Uh, yell and scream during a protest, unless you went to one of those quiet protests in Portland and Chicago and Los Angeles and, and New York, of course, because they're all quiet because they understand that that talking loudly 
you know, might spread the virus, right? Mm. They're so thoughtful, these rioters. Oh, thank you. Um, anyway, so, I, I mean, that is, that is, that's the crime, right? But you can go to grocery stores, you can protest and riot. You can go to even restaurants and get your food and everything else. But to, to go to church with more than six feet uh, uh, separation between you and the next congregant and having it outside of the church, that's not legal. No. Nope. No, no, no. Bad, 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 bad. You're yeah, a very also, bad person. It, I think about like the, the feminist trope of we're going to burn our bras. Right. Uh, fine, okay. You wanna swing free. I'm good with that. To each his own, right? Right. But what if I want to shop for my groceries at an outdoor farmer's market in Santa Monica and remove my mask because it's hard to breathe? Right. No, it's... it's they totally... came up to me and they said, your mask is an on-right. <laughs> I was at Santa Monica yeah. Seafood down the street, a right. store I love. Same thing. I moved the mask slightly so I could tell the person behind the counter that I'd like my salmon cut a certain way. And the owner came over and started screaming at me and threatened to kick me out of the store. I was wearing the mask, just moved it slightly so I could talk. Because when I spoke with the mask on, it came out like... Okay, so anyway, so you, so know, you see so, a lot of people yeah. just like that uh, who no longer have a sense that you know these are the people that actually help you thrive yeah. as economically. And, and you would think they would have a tough time enough as it is uh, th- than to be yelling at the very customers who give you, the, the, the few customers who do come and give you some money. Uh, but that's another story altogether. The, the point is that they clamp down on those people whom they can clamp down who will not give them pushback, right? And all of this is because of fear. Now, I'm going to tell you a little uh, fable that I heard a long time ago. It's um, a while ago, actually, where this man... Um, is concerned about, he's a rabbi, and he's, he's concerned about the plague hitting his town. And he's a very thoughtful man, and he talks to God and talks to the angels, and, and, and the angels say to him, how many total plague victims, we have to have some plague victims, how many would be acceptable to you? And he said, you know, 5,000, trying to keep the number as low as possible. And then they said, you got it. Okay, so... To, uh, a month passes, and it actually gets to 15,000. And the rabbi comes to the angels and says, I don't get it. We, we, we negotiated. We talked 5,000. And the angel said, yeah, there were only 5,000 who died of the plague. Well, what about the other 10,000? And the angel said, oh, those people, they died out of fear. That's the interesting point. Oops. Powerful, right? Yeah. We... As in all the people who have been killed by the reaction, reaction. the nonsensical, mm. virtue signaling, excuse my French, bullshit reactions to this. We're at war right. still, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. We, we are at war. Uh, and it is a bullshit reaction. The COVID response, if you, if you piled up all the damage associated with the response to COVID and couple that with the COVID, uh, the riots as well, because of the, they are related, uh, you would no doubt conclude that the damage that we've, that we've suffered as a result, you know, starting from March 15 or so, because more or less that's when things closed down, um, you would say, I don't think it was worth it. Of course not. No way, no way close Absolutely to it. Absolutely not. And also, just the, when I say bullshit response, I say this. We all know basic common cold things. Don't touch your face, wash your hands. That's a, those are the two most important. The social distancing is secondary to washing your, faces, uh, washing your hands and, and not touching your face. But then they tell you wear a mask. And then everyone you see on TV wearing a mask, the ones who are virtue signaling for all, 
are touching their face, constantly adjusting their mask. The, uh, so the mask is a virtue signal that contradicts one of the first two things that actually does work. Well, hold on. Let, let's not even talk. Because you know, we want to stick to the theme. Well, I'm, I'm okay. going back to the theme. I, I don't mean to. Let's see. Get, and the theme is the fear, the people, and how the, the response kills more. I'm now seeing people, after the mask mandate came down, we were always told, wear the mask when you can't social distance. And don't wear the mask when exercising. I now see everyone running in the damn things. That kills people. And your point, it's exactly your point about fear. They're wearing the mask out of fear, and people are going to start dropping dead while exercising that way out of fear. That's yeah. my point. Yeah, okay, that's, that's fair. Uh, and it's all virtue signaling and such right. like that. But the virtue signaling now is deadly, you know, in its own yes. way. So why do I bring this all up? Fear. Fear is the most... Don't be afraid, in other words, don't have fear, is the most common phrase in the Bible. God does not like fear. Fear takes away from God's mission. God wants us to advance. Fear is a break on our advance of our soul. We, we need to have the courage to know that God is in charge. And when you know that God is in charge, you can handle a lot more. Like, Look, I'm a lawyer. I'm dealing with all sorts of very hairy situations. Yeah, people call all the you time. when things are not good in their life, generally. Right. They don't just call, hey, Barack, can I hire you? Everything's great. I don't have any problems with anyone, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> no, but it's not only that, but it, it's hairy for me. I, I mean, as yeah. I tell my clients, you pay us to worry for you, right? Yes. And so uh, without getting into, you know, advertise my firm or anything, I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm simply telling you that it's, there, there are a lot of, my business is, is a business of conflict. And conflict often means like, Oh my gosh, my client could face a $3 million judgment if I don't you know, handle this correctly. Or I won't get the $3 million that my client is entitled to if I don't handle this correctly. Yeah. Uh, and so on, right? So, and there, there's issues all the time. There's conflict, conflict, conflict. And I could be afraid all the time. Just fear, fear, fear. Yeah, if you chose to. And it's, it's useless. Fear is useless. Worry is useless. What you can do is... You know, in the same way you, you think a flood might hit your town. Okay, let's take that example. Okay, you've got a dam, and you see there are some cracks in the dam. It's very small, but you know over time that bad things will happen if you don't rectify the situation. Okay? So you could be afraid of it. You could just, oh, my gosh, I fear. I, I just see the, my whole town being flooded, and I'll be blamed, and, every, and people will die and everything else. And, and that's bad, but fear will not do anything for you, Right? What will do something for you is if you do something about it. Okay, we got a situation here. Let's make sure to uh, cover it and uh, rectify the dam and, uh, you know, what do, what do they call it? Uh, re reinforce, reinforce it. Reinforce yeah. the dam. Reinforce the dam so that we can now make it better, bigger, stronger than ever before, and we're all set. Fear has no place in that, right? What, what does have a place in that is taking action. Likewise, I mean, a great example of this is in the, in, the, in the Bible where it says, when you know that your enemy is about to rise up and destroy you, you get up early in the morning and you attack first. Okay? There's no fear involved in that, right? No, it's it pure action. It's pure action. Exactly right. Thank yeah. you. That's a good way to put it. Pure action. And so it is with understanding the way the world should be. But instead, we... When it comes to the COVID response, everything about it reflects fear. Everything, the way we deal with what happened with George Floyd, it was, uh, it, it was just a tinderbox. I mean, really, 
one one cop does you know a very aggressive inappropriate. Well, we thing. don't know that now. That's good, good, good point. But, but, but one but thing assume. happens to one guy, right. and that's a reason to burn down America. Right. All of America. All of America. Every and, cop. And internationally, too. Yeah. It, it extended. London, you know. Yeah. And they all started copying our own protests. Right. You know, kneeling. But that's another story. So the point is that they, they that should not be enough to send a tinderbox. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. And, and they assumed that it was racist. I mean, there's no association with right. racism whatsoever. Right. Not one person came forward and said, let's get all the facts. Hey, release the whole body cam footage. Release the whole thing. Not just this, but let's just make I, sure here. Right. You know? But the point is that it, it was, they were so worried because, oh my gosh, white cop, black victim, dead. Okay? Done. Okay? And so the fear started, right? Oh, let me genuflect. Let me say how, how very sorry I am. Let's change everything about our police. Let's, in fact, let's get rid of the police. Let's defund the police and uh, let's replace them with social workers. And, and let's release all the criminals from jail and take all the white people and put them in jail. Right. That's essentially what they right. want. Right. That's, the that's what is the message I'm getting. How can, how can we please you further? What can we do right for you? Right. We, we are so bad. I mean, you, you make it, 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 it makes it feel like, it, like some sort of child molester has, has done horrific things to your children. And now he... He understands that he's in big trouble because all the evidence is, has been mounting against him. And now he really wants to say how sorry he is and he'll do anything. And there's nothing he can do to please these, the parents or the children, for that matter, who are the victims, uh, other than just kill himself, right? That, that might satisfy them, right? But, but so they keep on doing that. that that's fear. I mean, they, but they, these governors, these senators, the, even... Uh, the, the Democratic leadership in particular, and the mayors, they all act and view themselves like the child molester in my example just now. That there's nothing they can do to please these, uh, you know, the protesters and the rioters. And, and by the way, P.S., there is nothing you can do. It doesn't matter what you would do. Well, you, well, hold on. Yeah. You, you, could, you could decide, you know what, we're going to, all we white people, we will go to Africa. We're, we're going to go. And you guys. Yeah, but that's racist. Of course. It belongs to them. I, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. We'll, go where you, we'll go to Antarctica. <laughs> right. Okay, which really is cold and there's yeah, no minerals. No and, and we will just yeah. suffer and, 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 and be, you know, die of cold or whatever. And you guys take over everything, infrastructure and all. In fact, we'll leave as much money as you like. We will not take a single item of property. Whatever is ours is now yours. Um, all, all yours. Even that, I, I put it to you, would not be satisfactory. Nothing. Okay, so it's, it's bizarre how they trip over themselves, but everything is about fear. And the reason why is because we live in an increasingly godless society. We are now seeing the manifestation, Ari, of a society that no longer understands God as a center of civilization. And in fact, even dismisses the notion of God as a fable and even a destructive force. And so what happens is people are left only with one thing, fear. And they operate. Every, everything you're seeing is the result of fear and the motivation. Uh, every, every decision that's made is a decision motivated by fear. Well, I would also go one step further. And it, I, I, hopefully this is a helpful point. I believe it's a decision motivated by fear, 
but also designed to create more fear for more both political and social advantage. I have a, something I want to run by you. Maybe we've talked about this before, but I, I, do you think this is, is within the realm of what you're thinking? I think the greatest fear most people have is the fear of death. And I think the greatest service that faith in God does is it, it mitigates our fear of death by understanding there is an, an eternal afterlife. Right. And the, I, I agree. So that if you live your life with the idea that I'm going to choose to be with God, I have less, I, not that I want death, uh, you know, I don't want to leave this place until I absolutely have to, but knowing that there is a place with God after means I can live my life with a lot less fear than if I was a person who had nothing beyond this. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. This is this is what allowed our boys at uh, uh, on D-Day in Normandy and, and many other places, of course, and the Revolution and Civil War and everything else to, to, to be able to fix bayonets and, and charge. Because if you were afraid of death and that you were about to go into the void, knowing, if you believed that, then why would you do anything other than just run away from the battle, right? You have to have a sense of knowing that there's something on the other side of life uh, for you to actually participate in the strength of freedom and, uh, you know, to, to fight for your country. But fighting for your country uh, is, is so um, quaint. It's so... It's so 18th century. Yeah, well, now. forget the term fight for your country. I prefer to use a, a, a sort of a more morally clear term, which is fight for the forces of good, as you see it. That's fair. Because it could be any country. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be for your country. It could be, you could be fighting for a woman who is being raped, right, or about to be raped. And, you know, you're in a dark alley and you hear this horrific, you know, three guys, you know, kind of surrounding this one woman who, who's in danger of being raped and you can see it. What do you do? If you, if you have no sense of God, if you have no sense of an afterlife, then the temptation, I'm not saying that, this, that you would do it, but the temptation is to say, that's her problem, baby. You know, I'm out of here. You know, serves her right for, or not even serves her right, it's, it's her fault for putting herself in that position. Okay? That's survival of the fittest. She, you know, like the little lamb that kind of strayed from the flock. You know, the wolf goes and chases that down, right? Well, that's, that's who she is. She's the little lamb that, that strayed from the flock. And now she's uh, being victimized. You could easily tell that to yourself. If, by contrast, you have a world where you um, are full of, of God's presence and, and sense of uh, values for God and fighting for the good, like you said. And knowing that God is there to protect you as best he can. You, you, will, say, you, you will tell yourself, I have to. Not only... Uh, what might be okay for me to protect this woman, but I must protect this woman. And you will go into the fray and you will do whatever you can to knock this situation out. You may get beaten up. You may even die in the process. And she still may get raped, God forbid, but at least you fought. Yeah. Can I ask you a, a question of a situation I ran as a thought experiment in my mind about two weeks ago that I was troubled by with mm. this very thing? Sure. I, uh, Whenever I see a policeman these days, and it's possible, I go up to them and I say, thank you for what you do. And just, I do too. You know, I don't care what the jerks over in City Hall say. I'm, I support you. Right. Uh, and they all thank me profusely. Sure. I mean, thank you for the thank you. the look in their eyes yeah. is precious. But I was thinking of this idea, and this might bring me to tears because it, it really struck me. 
I thought how I was picking up takeout food and there were a couple cops outside and I did this. And then the thought struck me that these guys would step in front of a bullet for me. They've chosen a life that they will leave their wives, their children, their parents, everyone they've known to protect me. And then I thought this, and this is where it became troubling for me. Then I thought my natural inclination as a man is to do the same for them. But then I was troubled by this. And this is where it gets into a moral quandary. And there is no right answer that I could come up with on this. But then I thought, but if I do, would I be harming my own family if I died for them and left my wife and children? It's a moral quandary. And the, the reason I ask is because I didn't take the blue. You know, I didn't swear an oath to the blue and the badge where that was my duty. My duty is to protect my own children. No, so, no, you're, you're wrong about no, that. No, 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 I'm saying in, in you know, uh, so my inclination, my instinctual reaction is to step in front of the bullet for him. Right. But then I thought, but is it really right if my wife and children Are left suffer because I protected this man? Even he, he, if Here's the thing. Now, here's why. There's another way to look at that. Okay. So let's say you're confronted exactly that situation or uh, the, 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 the woman the woman who's being uh, raped or whatever, and you, you interfere with that, and, you know, sadly, well, you, you get killed. Yes. Uh, your courage um, in doing that uh, drips down to your wife and your children who now know that daddy fought for this innocent person that, you know, he didn't even know and what a brave man he was. Yeah, because they'll know to when they read my story in the L.A. Times and Daddy was called a racist pig who <laughs> protected another racist pig. Right, exactly. And Daddy was actually a courageous freedom fighter for the forces of okay, right. Okay, right. So <laughs> that parenthetical moment of derailment has been brought to you by... No, Ari it's not derailment. It's a media interpretation dance. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. a dance. <laughs> All right. Now, where was I? Oh, my gosh. You're talking about Ari... the morality... No, no, I, I know, I know. So, no, it's a good... It's, I, I, I know where I was. The, the point is that you would nevertheless be a hero in their eyes. And I, I have to tell you that I'm confident that God would take care of your lovely wife and your girls. One way or the other, they would be fine. And the message that you send not only to them, and not only to your wife, but to your community at large, including your friends like me, would, would resonate so much more deeply than had you, in response, done nothing. Well, I wouldn't do nothing. I hold, would step hold, in front hold, of hold, the hold, hold. Like, but that's, um, there's, yeah. It's a binary decision. Do something or do nothing, right? Right. Let's say you did nothing. I'm not saying that you, you would do nothing. But let's take the hypothetical guy. Forget about Ari David for a section. Um, this person did nothing. And he goes away. And what happens? Yes, he lives. But what kind of life does he live? Yeah, he lives the rest of his life in fear and regret. That and shame, ifs, and, and shame, tra- tra- yes. tremendous shame, and always knowing that God was disappointed in him. Yeah, that God maybe, gave him the opportunity to save a life, right? And he failed, and he failed, and maybe God would have given him the strength to go forward with the, the, the fight against these these monsters, and these monsters would run away because that often happens. Even though you're only one man against three, then. That is, uh, they will often run away. It's a very interesting thing. As well, long as you show the strength. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. That, that, that is the point, is that you don't know that you would die, first of all, right? And so you would always be playing it, and, and that would bleed into all your relationships forever. The decision then becomes very easy. It's a binary decision. You have to do something. If you die, God forbid, you still 
leave a legacy that's powerful. Well, you're and also, there's a good chance that you will not die. Well, also, and if you do die doing that, there is no more clear path into the glory of God's eternal kingdom where you will meet all your loved ones at some point right. anyway. So it's, and, and this is what I think gets to the essence of this fear conversation and the, the antidote to fear, which is God, is that you can be absolutely confident that if you spend your uh, ultimate moment on earth engaging in such an act that the spiritual reward, and you don't do it for the spiritual reward, but the spiritual reward that is there for you and all who loved you is so powerful and overwhelming, you can feel confident that is the right thing to do and the course of action one must do. Well, there you go. Let me tell you a story exactly on this issue. This is a story of a major named Ranan Lurie. That's my dad. He was in the Six-Day War. That was his big war, the Six-Day War. He was 35 years old at the time, so he was already a leader in the war. He fought in the North. And among many other amazing things that he did that particular day, uh, and it's, I, I only have time to talk about one, um, but he led a group of six men, not even a platoon, six men, uh, to cross into what is now called the West Bank and uh, proceed to relay some important information about some poison that they had found that some of the Jordanians wanted to use uh, as weapons against the Jews, okay? They, they wanted to do for, you know, to uh, defeat morale, but that's not the point. He was carrying this, this information. And they crossed over this hill, or went around a hill, actually, in a very narrow path. My dad was on top of the Jeep. That was his favorite place to sit. He was sitting on the hood of the Jeep. And the other men were behind him, and he had his rifle. And as they were turning around on this very narrow path and going forward, they saw a, a practically a, a 60 to 100 men, Jordanian soldiers, in formation. And my dad had a choice. And the choice was to retreat because they were only six guys. There were, there were anywhere between 60 and 100 men on the other side. This is from what we now know was about 75 men. But from his visuals, it was about 60 to 100 men at the time. And his, his only decision was to retreat because they were going to be slaughtered. They were alone. But the, there was a problem because it would be almost impossible to retreat because it would have to reverse in a situation and they would be chased anyway. They'd be killed anyway. Right. Uh, and it was a very narrow path. It was almost impossible. You, you, you have to look very carefully to go back on this narrow path. But he knew one thing. He knew that there was so much dust kicking up from behind him. That they wouldn't know it was just them. they wouldn't know it was just them. And, he, and also, he knew that if he showed any hesitation, that would also send the wrong signal. Yeah, but if he attacked full bore, they would assume there was a whole column coming, right. not just him. One of his co-commanders asked, what do we do, Major? My, my dad saw on his, on his right arm a tattoo of a concentration camp number. He had been in the concentration camps, this man. His name was Jonathan. And my dad somehow had a vision 
of this man still in the black and white stripes of the concentration camp uniform. And he said to himself, never again. We can't do this. and We're not going to retreat. All of this analysis happened not in a second, but a tenth of a second. But to my dad, when, when you talk to him, it's as if time slowed down and he was able to value the situation where everything is stopped, but he, he's the only one moving. One of those movies, right? Yeah. And so coming out of that frozen moment, he said, fix bayonets, go, move forward. And his men had such success with him all day and previously that they said, okay, crazy Renan, let's do it. He's always, he'd always led them to victory. They went forward and he charged even faster than ever. They went right around and created more dust around all these men, the Jordanian soldiers, who all dropped their rifles. Some who had fought were killed instantly. All told, about 10 Jordanian soldiers were, were killed. Uh, 10 had run away, and the remaining part had just surrendered entirely. And they, they had enough to tie them up, and they quickly called back up, and other Israeli soldiers came to, to, uh, to imprison them as prisoners of war. Later on, when they interviewed these men, they asked, how come you surrendered so easily? And the Jordanian man, the, the, the captain of the Jordanians said, what are you talking about? There were thousands of Israelis. In his mind, he actually saw thousands of Israelis, not just because of the dust behind my dad's Jeep, but they really felt there were a thousand Israelis. Yeah, God's right. power. God's power was involved here. Okay, if you were to believe the Jordanian captain. Now, had my dad had a moment of hesitation, the story would have been very different. No, there would have been no story. There would be no story. Be here right now. Well, my, my dad, uh, you know, I was already around, but yes, yeah, certainly uh, my life would be very different. My little sister, who is 14 years younger, she would not be around anymore. But it was, it was pretty hairy. And not a moment of hesitation, not a moment of fear, and he had complete confidence in God. That's what it took. For that reason, that story is in my book, Atheism Destroys, coming up. Uh, and I'm so proud of him. At the same time, it's, it makes so much sense. You cannot grow your civilization. You cannot hope to maintain your civilization if there is no God. You can never protect your civilization. That story that I just told you, for that matter, D-Day, for that matter, the revolution, for that matter, the Civil War, all those things can't have it. George Washington, you know, one of the greatest leaders we ever had militarily and otherwise, he had a deep faith in God. Without that, he would never have gone into the hellfire of all the bullets in every battle. He was always the first one out there. He knew he would never die. He just knew it. He had this faith in God. And of course, he never did. He died a natural death way after his second term as president. Same thing with Lincoln. He was killed later on after the war was done. But if you operate with fear, you will lose your civilization. You will lose every battle. And I see it time and time again. Well, even more, you will lose everything and then you will not be with God in the great 
beyond. That's exactly That's right. the big one. Yeah. Because you have to choose to be with God now in order to be with God later. Look, we all have our regrets uh, of fear, of, of moments of hesitation. Uh, there's one that I have, I remember. It wasn't a, a terrible th- thing, but I, I still think about it from time to time. And it was a, in, in our old building, we had a, uh, there was a very pretty woman, I remember her. She was one of the upper floors. And we were kind of in the middle of the building. Anyway, I entered the elevator and it's just, uh, it was just her and me in the elevator for the time being. And then two floors down, the elevator's going down, in walks this man, an older guy, and he sees this woman. And for the rest of the ride down, he just stares at her. Just kind of, he's facing her, staring at her, just looking. And kind of gives her up, up and down for a while. And I notice it kind of a little late. And she's kind of rolling her eyes. She's obviously dealt with this situation before. She was very pretty. And then, of course, we are, you know, it reaches the lobby and all of us get out. And I regret. I regret. I, I, I guess I wasn't fast enough to think about it. But I should have said, you know, knock it off, jackass. Okay? Leave her alone. It was be easy enough. I mean, it wasn't a violent situation. It wasn't stronger than me or anything else like that. But I did nothing. And here I am still talking about it. I still think about that. But maybe, maybe it's a good thing in a sense that because, you know... Maybe you won't do it again. I won't do it again. And when the situation is more egregious in the future, I will step in because I don't yeah. want this feeling that yeah. I have. And, and, and she, you know, sadly for her, she prob- this is probably one of many examples, and this is just one more thing. But nevertheless, you know, she wasn't raped. She wasn't... I mean, not, nothing physical happened. Um, but just she was bothered. But the fact that I'm still thinking about it it still bothers me. Sure. I, and, and, and I don't know what stopped me. It wasn't fear. I mean, it was just this, it was the hesitation. Inner, it was inertia, lack of inertia. Maybe inertia, yeah. And, you know, the, the good, I think the way God works in these things is when you tell the story about your father, you have to assume that that wasn't his first rodeo. No. You understand? He was ready for that moment. And very few of us encounter the first moment we ever face like that and respond without with the uh, confidence your father had in that moment. Yeah. Um, that's rare. Most likely he had gone through similar things that you went through in that elevator that prepared him so he was ready for that moment. Yeah, you're so right. All right, so we covered a lot of that. But now I want to talk a little bit about, in, in a way it's related, about this election coming up. What election? <laughs> well, there's something election? about... Something about... I mean, I look at the calendar. I thought we were just going to have a riot, and whoever wins the riot. <laughs> yes, that's right. right. Oh, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> the strong man shall emerge, you know, from the white feminist group, Black Lives Matter. Yes. You know, the screaming harpy shrew. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> the know? French Revolution, after all, right? I mean, Robespierre has already been killed, uh, so let's see who's next, right? Eventually, a Napoleon will come along. And uh, take care of everything. Oh, wait a minute. I mean, the liberals already say that uh, Trump is, oh. is a self-declared Napoleon. Yeah. But that's another story. Camilla Look, the virtuous. Yeah. So here we have a, a big problem for the Democrats. But also, it's very emblematic. Look, look what's going on. Um, a good friend of mine talked about congruence or congruence. Uh, the, the, the people, the candidate who gets elected, that gets the most votes, tends to be 
tends to be not just the person who has optimism, which is always a good thing, but also somebody who projects congruence, meaning that they are somebody that does what he says he's going to do and says what he means, right? That, that he's more or less transparent as well. And Trump has that, okay? Trump has that in, in its spades. Otherwise, you have to rely entirely on charisma, like Bill Clinton did and Obama did, okay? Or an articulation. And plus, they were uh, products of their times. Clinton had to rely on a third party that helped him a lot in, in 1992 in both elections. And uh, Obama had the advantage of a collapse in the economy just, what, two months before the November election. He had the advantage of John McCain and Mitt Romney. Right. Who are who exactly are, what you just said. Exactly right. They are, who aren't exactly what you just said they need, would have needed to be. Right. And he had a message of hope and change. And it, all, all the factors were there aligned and the moon was uh, aligned with the stars and so on. So to enable Obama to win not just once but twice. Okay. But Biden and Kamala Harris, they ain't no Clinton, they ain't no Obama, and they certainly ain't no Trump. But they're a perfect match set. <laughs> you have a sexual harasser right. mixed with a partner who got her career by being sexually harassed. And being oh, I don't think she was harassed at all. I think she used no, sex. No, no, no. Not her, not, she you can be sex. harassed. It's just you have a problem with it. She was okay with it. And by the way, the idea, this is so perfect, from Colin Kaepernick to Derek Chauvin to every pro athlete, we finally have a kneeler. <laughs> okay. So listen. You know him, right? I, I, okay. All right. Here we go. So about Kamala Harris, and I'll say this only briefly because I really want to move on to the, the main theme here. Kamala Harris, uh, she's a prostitute. Okay? She's a prostitute. Oh, my gosh, strong words. That's so nasty, Barack. How can you say that? That is just these ad hominem attacks. No, no, wait. They no, use no, the hold. professional term. She, I'm using it correctly. Yes. She slept her way to the top. Okay, and there's no doubting it, and she cannot deny it. She had this, not, not just uh, an affair with Willie Brown, former Speaker of the Assembly in California, and the former mayor of San Francisco, uh, who then advanced her to the AG position or whatever. Uh, but while he was married, so it's an adulterous affair as well. Okay, so it's a double whammy. And I get to call it out. She's a prostitute. Okay, and it's, it's worse. I, I would have preferred that she did it, she did it for, for money, like a classic um, uh, prostitute on Hollywood and Vine, let's say. Oh, there'll be money involved, don't worry. <laughs> well, I'm sure there was money involved. <laughs> Uh, money may be directed to a yeah. campaign or what have you, but still, that's prostitution, okay? Oh, that's not appropriate. You can't say that, Barack. Wait a minute. If you can accuse Donald Trump of having adulterous affairs, which he did, and say that you can't trust him because of his adultery, if you can say that this person uh, is an embezzler, for example, or that, that guy cheated uh, other people out of, out of uh, a lot of money, for whatever reason, um, or lied on his taxes or whatever it is, why can't, what's the difference? Why, why can't I say that she prostituted herself? Because she's a why woman can, of color. How dare you? Ah, I see. 
All right. So, I have the rules right here. It says right here. <laughs> She's a woman of color. You can't. Yeah, it's that. one of those uh, flow charts, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> commit a crime. Uh, if woman of color, go back to step one. <laughs> That's right. If white male, continue yeah, on, continue to, the on jail. to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go directly to jail. Don't pass go. Don't collect two hundred. All right. So my point is this. Let's go back to the main mission here, which is there's no enthusiasm for for Biden. There is no certainly no charisma. Nobody knows why they would be voting for, for Biden. It's not as if they're voting for a, a that they could, they could deposit their hopes and dreams and expectations <laughs> into this one man. Their confidence in his competence. No. And, and by the way, this, yeah. is, this is especially true for Democrats because they, they fall in love with the man. It doesn't matter what his ideology is. Right. In this case, they, 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 it's important to them how he dresses, how he eats, how he smiles, whether he plays basketball and golf in a cute way, whether he knows how to dance with, um, you know, the, um, uh, the, the Joy, Joy Bayard and, and Or Ellen like DeGeneres, yeah. uh, whether or not he could sing with uh, Al Green at the right. Apollo, uh, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And in this case, I, I think this is the point you're getting at is, in this case, the Democrats are stuck entirely with the idea that they're voting against something rather than having something to vote for. Right. At least with Walter Mondale and Geraldine Ferraro, they had something to vote for, and right. they lost 49 states. <laughs> That's, exactly That's right. why I say this one, they're going to lose 50. Yeah, Walter Mondale was a nice yeah. guy, and he certainly he was with it mentally, at least. Right. And but he, he, yeah. so, so here's the thing. They, they really have nothing, at least from a personality point of view. So what they're voting for is just, you know, he's, he's a warm body for the sake of the Democratic Party, right? And the Democratic Party has this or that ideology. The problem is they can't mask the ideology anymore. Right. See, at least with- They started with, start yeah. telling us what it is, right. unfortunately. At least with, with Clinton, and that was before the ideology became even worse, but, but uh, at least with Clinton and, and Obama, you had these facades in front of the ideology saying, this ain't a turd behind me. No, look how beautiful I am. No, look, the, uh, look, how, look how articulate right. I am. Look how funny I am. Look how, how smooth I am. And you don't even see the turd behind him. Now, there is no facade. You yeah. just, all you have to go on is liberal ideology, leftist ideology in particular these days. And you see, this is a turd. Right. And you're either voting for Trump which you may, you know, of course you don't like, or you're voting for this turd. If you're a Democrat. You if you're a Democrat, right. So the choice is turd versus Trump. It's That's either, it. It's either vote for Trump, who you might not like, or the turd, and let me define the turd for you a little more clearly, uh, riots and looting. Yeah. In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. <laughs> and a it. shutdown of the economy yeah. and everything else, uh, it, so long as it you know, continues yeah. on forever. And to, to your point about the facade, of, of Clinton and Obama, if you just took their words literally and didn't look at what was actually happening, but it's just the words, it might as well have been Ronald Reagan uh, rhetoric. Yeah. Seriously. That's GM right. is alive, Al-Qaeda's dead. You know, we're going to fight waste, fraud, and abuse. That sounds just like Reagan saying, we're going to cut the government in half and, and give you your money back. No, it's I so mean, funny. It's, it's very similar. Clinton's Entire ideology was cons Reagan conservatism right, yeah, in they, the they, Democrat Party. Right. And he famously said the era of big government is over. Right. right? So, which is funny because the, the, the leftists actually believe in reducing big government, but only when it comes to the notion of police. And military. <laughs> and the military, yeah. Yes. Then they're all for limited right. government. It's only right. they want that everything. <laughs> they just recently wanted to, to destroy the Department, um, uh, Department of Homeland Security. 
Um, you know, and we, in the meantime, had been calling out for the end of the Department of Education and other uh, useless departments. And like the that. Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with I'm that. I'm with it, too. Shoes in airports. What? Please, please, <laughs> profile anyone who reads okay, a Koran and leave my shoes on. Moving, moving back. The point is that uh, it, they've got nothing. The Democrats really have nothing. It's almost as if they are trying to lose this election. <laughs> I, and I joked yeah, around before. I've been saying that, right? yes. Uh, did we talk about this before, about the, how it's like the producers? Yes. Right? Did well, we it talk about, wait, me, did, did, we, did we talk about that or not? I, th I think we've briefly said that here and there about that it's like Broadway producers like in the movie trying to Yeah, trying to make sure that they the, the ultimate bomb of a play so that they can then lie to their investors and say, well, you know, we lost all your money. And, but in the meantime, they've, they've made a killing off of this. <laughs> right. right. So they, they figure it out. And I think that's the same thing with this, except that the difference is that there's no real advantage to the Democrats at the end of the day, unlike the producers. At least the producers are trying to make some money. So, uh, but look at all the things that they're, they're presenting the American voter with. Um, they, the, all the riots. For illegal aliens, no hold border on, wall. Hold on, hold yeah. on. I, I, let me get to it. The riots with, without end, and that they're sympathizing with the riots. Defunding the police, right? Yeah. Shut down schools. The, yeah, no more law and order. <laughs> no, no shut downing of schools. Uh, that we should be, you know, going in bed with China that's, that's seeking to destroy us. Right. I mean, it, it, it goes beyond belief uh, that the things that they expect. And then, oh, killing all the churches one way or the other. Yeah, wearing masks, having your whole body regulated with masks and vaccines, being told you'll take only our drugs for a disease, not this one over here, even though this one well, might work. But that's yeah. it's getting into... But it's it, massive it, regulations. They, they want you to love a world of misery. They expect you to, to do it. They're giving you misery. They're saying that we should all be apologetic for being white, even though, and, and telling you that you're racist. You... These guys think that this is a winning strategy. That's the amazing thing about yeah. it. That's why I think it's almost as if they got together in a room and said, how can we make sure to lose this election? And ideas, guys. Come on, guys. Let's come up with ideas. Oh, I know. How about defunding the police? Love it. Love it. How about we nominate Joe Biden? Great. Great. How about we have Sandy Cortez, Snooki, speak at the convention? Bingo. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. We'll have John Kasich show up. <laughs> That's it. Oh, you can't. his dad was a mailman. Perfect. And now Kamala Harris, you know, with yeah. this woman who, who clearly is a prosecutor. But we hate we love crime, as it yeah. turns out. So on the one hand, they want to fight crime. On the other hand, they love crime. Yeah. Whatever it is, they're embracing yeah. crime. Let me let me get this in. All right. I'm simply saying that they seem to be embracing the chaos, and they think that of course they cannot possibly think that's a winning strategy. What you're leaving the American voter with is the following, and then I want to wrap it up. You're choosing between one candidate, one party, that is saying, I love America, America's awesome, there's so much a promise in America, we, we are making America great and we'll continue to make America great, uh, and our economy will be flourishing and such like that, and we believe in law and order and we believe in God, okay? That's one. The other one, we don't believe in God, <laughs> we want chaos, and we, we think America sucks. In fact, it's the worst country that ever existed. What, I mean, what do you think is going to happen between, in, in that choice? This is why we're, both Ari and I are so confident in not only a victory, but a landslide victory for Trump. And the, in my case, the greatest landslide ever, exceeding Reagan's 49 states with Trump's 50. Right. God willing. Okay, look. Uh, and I mean by big margins. I, 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 that is... 
We are so out on a limb on that one. And well, I, I'm not you. No, no. I, I, look, I say at least 40, 40 states, but I would not be surprised if it was 45 or 47 states. Okay, that's, that's the way I put it. But I would be delighted for you to be 100% right. Um, so the question becomes, why is it that the Democrats are pushing these narratives, which anyone consulting with them must be telling them this is a disaster of a campaign tactic. You can't possibly think that you can win like this, but yet they still do it. So here's my answer. I think that the Democrats are the new Pharaoh. We know from the Old Testament, what Christians call the Old Testament, what we call the Bible, in, uh, in Exodus, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Because Pharaoh had made such bad decisions before, God took away Pharaoh's free will. God made sure that Pharaoh made such further poor decisions. I mean, you would think that after the blood, after the Nile turns to blood, you'd say, okay, I'm pretty impressed. You guys can go. Yeah, there weren't <laughs> supposed to be 10 plagues. There was supposed to be one plague, that one. That one should have plague, been enough. One should have been enough. It shouldn't have been another, uh, if you will, using their terminology, another nudge, another <laughs> nudge, another. He needed 10 nudges? Right. 11, actually, with the yeah. Red Sea? And That's even, a lot of nudging. And even after the killing of the Egyptian firstborn, he still chases them into that. Okay, so you get the idea. The point is, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. This is what it means. It took away his free will, which is the ultimate punishment. But, but also, by, by hardening his heart, made it so that the, that the Israelites into a position where they had to follow along with Moses because the, the circumstances were worse and worse all the time. So there you go. He created a situation where... So the Democrats, the God has hardened the Democrats' hearts so that will force the voters in every state to vote for Donald yes. Trump and choose liberty over tyranny. Do you see, any, do you, do you see the parallel? Yeah. Okay. So... How can any, I, that's the thing is that Pharaoh, just in the same way that Pharaoh could not see the stupidity of his decisions, how he was pushing the Israelites uh, away from him and that because of his craziness, that he was going to create the very situation that he feared. Okay, that's it. Right. We, so we call that irony. The Democrats have, out of their fear, because they've abandoned God and because God has hardened their heart in the absence of God, which is a form of losing your free will, they will have driven the voters across the sea. There you go. <laughs> it's the Republican Party. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's a perfect ending, and that's the way I'm going to end it. It is because of fear. Yeah, 50 uh, states, buddy. 50 states. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week. <laughs>